Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Great to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. That new research project involving feeding malted barley to cattle is aimed at helping livestock producers accomplish some significant environmental ambitions, but Texas High Plains grain farmers might also benefit. I'm James Hunt, and I'll bring you my follow-up story on Texas Ag Today. Good cotton market prices have farmers thinking about increasing acres. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Spring is finally here, and we're welcoming in the spring with planting season. Please join me, John Begner, as we talk about planning for spring in Texas. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas goat producers have been fetching premium prices for their product. Jessica Domel has more. High demand and tight supplies have strengthened the goat market in Texas. Dr. Reed Redden, goat and lamb specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, says goat raisers are earning a premium for their product. There's a pretty robust commercial goat industry in Texas. If you take the next 10 top producing goat states combined, that equals what Texas has. So Texas is a dominant factor in the goat industry. And the non-traditional markets, they're seeking out goat. And we're the place where they come get them because we produce them in the largest volume of anywhere. There's even a greater shortage of goats for that market than there is for lambs. And that's why the goat market is just been absolute on fire the last few years. That was Dr. Reed Radden. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Sustainability is one of the big buzzwords in agriculture right now. And when it comes to beef production, Texas cattle producers have a great sustainability story to tell. That's the word from Dan Gaddis, vice chairman of the Texas Beef Council. You know, we have a great story to tell when it comes to Texas beef producers for for the sustainability question. And as we've let consumers tell us what they believe that really is, I mean, we're already meeting many of those expectations that they have of us of taking care of of our land. And as you well know, farmers and ranchers in the state of Texas, you don't take care of the the property that you're on. You're not in business because it doesn't continue to sustain your operation and your family and your generations to come. Gaddis is a cattle producer near Austin. A new cattle nutrition research project is shooting for a lofty goal. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. 
As we reported yesterday, USDA researchers in Bushland are beginning a study to see if feeding cattle small amounts of malted barley can reduce the animal's methane production. USDA Lab Director David Brower says a big incentive is the escalating environmental expectations that livestock producers are facing. The whole thought behind this is how by, and you can pick a year, 2040, 2050, whatever you want to, we can say that our ability to produce beef or milk has a net zero effect on greenhouse gas emissions. And in theory, the pursuit of net zero would get a boost from feeding malted barley because it contains an enzyme that could aid cattle's digestion of starch. Dr. Brower says preliminary lab results show promise, but full-scale feeding trials are needed. And while there's a focus on environmental ambitions, he says it's important that things like weight gain efficiency and cost of production are not unacceptably affected by altering the ration. That's why it's so important that our livestock nutritionists, researchers work with other people, like economists, extension people, so they're well aware of the limitations that our stakeholders have when implementing a new technology. Now, if this malted barley concept does work, Dr. Brower says local farmers might also benefit. We know barley grows in this area. We just don't grow much of it because there's not a demand for it. But it could be a crop that our farmers could grow. It grows in that same cycle as wheat. But again, this research is just getting started and results won't be known overnight, so stay tuned. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good market prices for cotton have farmers thinking of more acres this year. Tom Nicoletti reports. For today's program, we go to Mississippi and uh, catch up with Keelan Golston. He is a Delta Pine Cotton Products Manager. And uh, Keelan, you keep a close eye on what's going on across the cotton belt, including here in Texas. And uh, farmers are looking uh, ahead for uh, planting of the crop this year. And uh, with the potential of more acres, talk about what you're hearing and what you're uh, thinking is going to happen this year in the cotton industry. Well, Tom, I appreciate the opportunity. As I travel across the cotton belt talking to growers, really since the first of the year, as we begin to see cotton prices increase, there's a lot more interest in either planting cotton as a new crop on some farms or planting additional cotton acres on other farms this year. We're lucky that we're seeing all of the crops increase in, in price, corn, soybeans, and cotton as well. We, we got a really good price set uh, for the crop insurance on cotton this year uh, based off of the average February price. So that's really helped us. So that there's a real increase of interest by growers to plant cotton this year. One of the things that, that I talk to growers about, Tom, is that, that cotton is naturally a drought-tolerant crop. Now, we're not going to make a good cotton crop without any rain, but if we can get one or two timely rains, we can make a really good cotton crop. So I think a lot of growers across the belt are certainly looking at uh, more acres of cotton on their dry land and, and also on, on irrigated acres. Here in Texas, of course, uh, there's still a drought going on, Keelan, so uh, that challenge uh, for farmers still exists, but you folks there at Delta Pine are always uh, there to help them out whenever uh, they need some assistance. We try to have risk share programs with growers uh, across the belt, but 
weather is tough in Texas in some years. So we have replant programs. We also have drought programs uh, for Texas. And, and, of course, our dry, tough varieties have really performed well there in Texas. And the good news is, is if growers decide that they're going to stick with cotton or increase cotton acres, Delta Pine still has a good supply of our best varieties available, especially in, in our dry, tough categories. We still have a, a supply there. So growers don't have to take a second choice in variety selection. That again is Keelan Golston. He is uh, with Delta Pine. He is Cotton Products Manager. Joining us today from Baldwin, Mississippi. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Spring is finally here and it's time to do some spring planting in the garden and the landscape. Horticulturalist John Begno has some advice from San Angelo. Well, there's never been probably a better time for spring to arrive after all of that brutal winter we had across Texas. And it's here, and now's the time to plant a lot of things. Many of us are ready to plant our vegetable gardens. And just remember one thing, it's still not Easter. And typically, a lot of people like to plant their gardens around Good Friday for various reasons, just sentimental reasons, probably as many as anything. But that's not a bad idea to wait a little bit instead of doing it right at the first day of spring because cool night temperatures will slow germination and establishment of an awful lot of vegetables. We do know things like corn and stuff like that are going to be just fine, and we do know that okra is going to wait until almost May before we plant that. Just do a little research. Aggie Horticulture has a great bit of information on gardening in Texas, so you might look at that. We're also getting into the season of going to the garden centers and nurseries and looking for flowers and perennials. Now, we lost quite a few of our perennials, lantanas and yellow bells, things that we have had around our landscapes for years that have succumbed to extreme cold weather. It wasn't just how cold it was. It was the duration of temperatures below freezing that are going to kill and and weaken a lot of these. And we're going to be looking for replacement plants, and they will be at the nursery because perennials and things like that, even annuals, are pretty much easy as an inventory item for wholesalers to start growing after a really cold spell. Remember that perennials that you loved and, and did real well just because they died from the winter, it doesn't mean you don't need to plant them again. We treat many perennials in Texas as annuals sometimes, knowing good and well that they may not make it through. Now, on turf grass, it's time to be sure and get some of that old dead grass out of the way. I don't like to scalp it. A lot of us don't like to see that. But mow it, rake it, get that dead grass those blades out of the way, and it's a good time to put fertilizer down and begin watering. A 21-7-14 type fertilizer works for nearly all of Texas on good turf grass. So enjoy the first days of spring and get into the gardening season. This is John Bagnell reporting from San Angelo. There could be some changes to turkey hunting regulations next year. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And kissing spines is a cause of back pain in horses, but there's new research that indicates that condition may be hereditary. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. 
Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Kissing spines is a cause of back pain in horses, but there's some new research that indicates this condition might be hereditary. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. The research team indicates chromosomes 16 and 25 appear to have regions that affect the severity of kissing spines in warm bloods, thoroughbreds, and stock horses. Dr. Samantha Brooks from Florida and Bo Whitaker from Salado, Texas, indicated at the AAEP convention that a third chromosome, number 14, appears to be associated with the presence of kissing spines in affected horses and determines if the disease is present in a specific horse. Because of this, it is not recommended to breed horses with kissing spines. The researchers have been performing genetic testing on horses without kissing spines to locate genes responsible for the disease and found that changes on chromosome 16 increase the chance of kissing spines by one grade, while changes on chromosome 25 increase chances of kissing spines by two grades. So a horse affected with both of these genes has a three-grade increase in chances of having a kissing spine, and this is not a small amount. The horse's height also increases the chance of kissing spines, but age and sex of the horse have less impact. This new information is worth checking out before training a horse as affected horses should be involved in a less strenuous career, such as leisure riding versus upper-level dressage or reining. Also, if you know your horse is at risk and the horse seems painful or has decreased performance, the back could be the problem, so that is one area to examine first. Treatment for kissing spines can be injections in the back or surgery, and surgery seems to be the most effective. Hopefully, further research will aid in decreasing this equine problem. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There could be some changes to turkey hunting regulations here in Texas next year. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. This week, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission will hear public comment on several proposed changes to hunting and fishing regulations for the upcoming seasons. Jason Harden, TPWD Wild Turkey Program Leader, explains the proposed changes to turkey hunting regulations. For the 2022 spring turkey season, we propose to close Panola County. It meets our decision variables as far as harvest and the distribution of that population within that county. In addition, all of our one bird bag counties so you have the 13 counties in East Texas, you have 10 counties that go from Lee County down to Bastrop County and continues down to Matagorda County. We have proposed to make all of our one bird bag counties mandatory harvest reporting. So if you kill a bird in, say, Bastrop County in 2022, you'll have 24 hours to go online and report that bird the same way you would in East Texas. So that's a new regulation that's coming. We visited with a lot of our wildlife management associations, those groups of landowners in that landscape, and they were very supportive of that. And then our final rule change, we're looking to maintain a consistent zone line across the north and south zone. So those are all those counties with a four-bird annual bag limit. And in the fall, 
the zone line follows Highway 90. But in the spring, we added an additional 27 counties and moved further north. And a lot of hunters in that area between Highway 90 and and that further line north have expressed a lot of confusion. The proposed changes would align the spring and fall wild turkey hunting season with consistent north and south zone boundaries. Harden says from a biological perspective, it's a good thing because it allows turkey hens to be bred before the season would open on April 1st. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a higher close in the cattle complex on Tuesday. The grain markets moved higher as well. We'll take a closer look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw another higher close in the cattle complex on Tuesday, finishing higher in both live and feeder cattle futures. April live cattle up 35, 119.12. The June up $1.12 at 120.05. August live cattle up 97 cents, 119.10. Feeder cattle finishing higher. March feeders up 37 at 135.45. April feeder cattle up 32, 139.75. The May up 37, closing at 145.47. All quiet in the cash-fed cattle market on Tuesday. No bids or asking prices noted. We do see some optimism, however, out there. The feedlot's hoping to bump prices up this week. We've got a higher futures market now for two days in a row. Also seeing boxed beef prices move higher. So that gives feedlots a bit of optimism that we might be able to bump prices up a bit more this week. Boxed beef prices were higher on Tuesday. Choice up 228 at 233.23. Select up 271, 225.76. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle, it's time to talk to Kenny Mingus from Milam County Livestock Auction Cameron. They sold them on Friday. Can you tell us what kind of sale did you have? Well, it went good, Larry. We wound up with a total of 1,605 cattle. Uh, out of that mix, we probably had, gosh, I guess 250, 300 cows, a few more than I expected. Good deal. Let's walk the pins. With the steers under 300, 171 to 215, 3 to 400 pound steers, 158 to 202 and a half, 4 to 500 pound steers, 140 to $2, and over 580 to $1.77. On your female heifers under 300, 130 to 205, 3 to 400 pound heifers, 120 to 160, 4 to 500 pound heifers, a dollar to dollar 51, and over 570 to a dollar 42. Packer cows, they added just a little bit of money on a packer cow from 25 to 66. Packer bulls about steady from 60 to 92 and a half. On a bred cows from 500 to 1225, and on your cow calf pairs from 810 to 1550. Sounds like you had a good sale. What was the count? Uh, 1605. What are you anticipating for this next Friday? Had a 
guy call uh, last week with a with a little old set of cows. There'll be forty or fifty cows in that deal. A few people have contacted me about some calves. Uh, as a rule, it's usually a little slower this week. We have our county fair and quite a few people up there. Kids and grandkids got a little shot of rain this week, so we could be a little slower. Don't really know, but whatever it is, we'll be thankful for it and we'll do our best to market. Well, tell everybody how to contact you, Kenny Mingus. You bet. Just catch us at the barn Monday through Wednesday from about nine to three at two five four six nine seven. 6697. You can follow us on our webpage at MilamCountyLivestockAuction.com or catch us on Facebook. Thank you, Kenny Mingus, Milam County Livestock Auction Cameron. Neighbor, you've been listening to Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble. You've been listening to us on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close strongly higher. April hogs up $1.42 at $96.47. May up a dollar thirty-five, ninety-five seventy-five. Class three milk was mixed. The nearby March up a penny, sixteen twenty-five. April milk down eleven cents, sixteen seventy-one a hundredweight. The cotton market closed sharply lower, but it was in a very low volume trade. Just not a lot of news in the market right now. Cotton did feel some pressure from outside markets, energies and metals both moving lower. That pressured cotton prices somewhat. Traders sitting on the sidelines waiting on Thursday's USDA export sales report, hoping that report can inject some new life back into the market. We closed with May cotton down 109 points, 83.53. December cotton down 88 points at 81.32 cents. The wheat market closed higher, getting spillover support from a higher corn and soybean market. July Kansas City wheat up four cents, closing at five eighty-eight and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up seven at six twenty-six and a quarter. The corn market closing higher, mainly on Chinese corn purchases. USDA reporting nearly one hundred fifty-three million bushels of corn as sold to China last week. So that's helping prices somewhat. May corn up two and a quarter. 551 and a quarter. September corn up one and three quarters at 486 a bushel. December corn up one and three quarters, 469 and three quarters. Well, as we mentioned, the energy market's moving lower. April natural gas down seven at 250. May crude oil down 401, 5755 a barrel. The financial markets dropping lower on Tuesday. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 340 points. 32,390. The NASDAQ down 159 at 13,221. The S&P 500 down 34, 3,906. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.